This first trait that triumphs, that if we apply it in our life, we will triumph, is, and we find this in Jesus, that he knew who he was. He didn't just wander around in life trying to figure, well, who am I? What am I doing? You know, what, what does God have for me? And just spend his life, you know, running around in a circle or just roaming around and just frustrated and, and maybe just kind of down and out, just wondering, who, who am I? Satan will try to, he will pose that question to you and he'll keep you wandering around in the wilderness like the children of Israel as long as he can, keeping you wondering who you are. You know, all of us have roles and goals and we ought to have goals for each one of those roles. You know, Jeff is a, is a husband, he's a father, grandfather, he's a commander at the, the police academy. Uh, He's a, a mighty man of valor in his church. So he's got all these different roles. Where we confuse things sometimes is we think when God's purpose for us is just, it's all spiritual and has no earthly value down here. But that's not true. See, because we have many hats or we have many roles to play. You know, you, you might be a, a mom, a, a daughter, a, a mother, a, a wife, a teacher. Uh, a nerd, whatever your occupation is, and whatever God's assigned you. And so you have all these different roles, and in those roles, you need to know who you are in each one of those roles, and then to be the best that you can be in each one of those roles. Amen? You don't really separate them. It's that you step into those areas, those roles, and then God has certain things he wants you to accomplish in those roles that he's placed before you. If you're on your job, you ought to be the best employee that, that, that's in the, on the whole job. So Jesus knew who he was. In Psalm 112, verse 8, it says, His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. There it says it again, talking about looking in triumph on his foes. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. And so that brings triumph into his life. This trait is a spiritual endowment of self-awareness. And like I told you, we have spiritual endowments that, that God gives to us or he's releasing. He has there for us. And so we need to grab a hold of them and we need to, to uh, allow them to work into our life. And so there's a spiritual endowment of, of self-awareness, being aware of who you are, self-knowledge, knowing who you are. Now listen to this about Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15, this tells us who Jesus is was and is and he knew this in colossians chapter 1 verse 15 it says he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn over all creation for by him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority all things were created by him and for him he's a creator Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Before anything was, he was. And in him everything holds together, it finds its being in him. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among, from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was, was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See all these different roles that we find in Christ? 
creator. He, he's the first born, uh, born among the dead. So he, he's set that pattern for us that uh, he, he brings about supremacy. Uh, God worked through him and found fullness while Christ was here on the earth. Um, through him, everything was reconciled through the cross. He reconciled all things to God, so he had a role there. And then uh, he took dominion over powers of darkness and everything, and through his blood that was shed on the cross, he redeemed us. Verse 21, once you were, now he's talking about that, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of the evil, of your evil behavior. But now, everybody say, but now. But now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Say, I'm free. free. Say, I'm free. I am free. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held in the gospel. You're free if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Did you know that there's a chance that you could surrender your freedom? And did you know that most people, probably 95% of all Christians, surrender their freedom and authority every day? Numerous times a day. If you're going to live a life of triumph, you've got to know who you are. You've got to know who you are in Christ. And then you've got to know who you are then in each one of your roles that you are to play here on this earth. And, and uh, how to go about doing that. And, then, and ask God to give you wisdom on each one of those roles and set some goals for those things. So Jesus knew who he was. Do you know who you are? In John chapter 8, verse 32, uh, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you've got to know who you are. You've got to know the truth about you. You've got to know the truth about what God says, who God says you are. And then you've got to look at yourself truthfully. Do you know who you are? Those things that would, where you're easily swayed in a particular way. Those things of your old nature, your scripts in your life, do you know who you are? Do you know who you have been? Do you know how you will be if you yield to certain things? Until you know who you really are, then you can't set goals to keep you from falling into the things that would ensnare you and hold you back. Sometimes we want to be like the ostrich and put our heads in the sand and not, oh, no, that's not me, that's not me. Well, yes, it is you. If it is you, you got to know who you are so that then you can act upon it. See, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know that you have dominion and authority, that you've been restored to that, and God's given you a power and an authority to choose a response for each situation in your life, you'll never exercise that, that authority. got to know who you are so that you can change the old things are passed away behold all things become new so that you're not held by those old things in life those old scripts but now you can write new scripts so that you know who you are in Christ then you can change these things that you don't walk any that you don't live any longer in them as the apostle Paul says that we don't walk any longer in these things you got to know who you are 
What are the triggers that set you off? What are those things that where you have fallen, where Satan has easily ensnared you? Who are you? And Satan knows who you are, and he knows how to ensnare you. You better know who you are so that you can exercise authority. See, if I don't know who I am and or refuse to acknowledge who I am, then when, those things, when something happens, then what I want to do is I want to blame either myself. Well, see, that's just the way that I am. I, I, you know, because the way I was raised, because my mom and my dad, well, that's how I am. Well, no, watch this. You know, that's who I am because of somebody else. So what we're saying is we're stepping back and saying, I'm not responsible for this. They're responsible for, for this. And that's why I am who I am there. So we want to remove ourselves from the picture. So what are we doing? We're surrendering responsibility and making somebody else responsible. And so maybe they did something. Maybe you, they did do something, whatever. But if we keep in our mind that that has control, then we're saying, you know what, because of that control, I can't do this thing. This thing is stronger than me because it's controlled me and that's why this happened. Are you following me? So what we just said was, okay, God has, has given me all dominion and authority and he's called me, right? He's redeemed me and he's, you know, he's declared these things about me. But then I take all that and I say, but... But no, that's really not me because I, because of this thing, this person, this environment, it controlled me. So it's greater than me and it's greater than God's desire for me. Did you see that? But the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, who are you? Are you the one that God's greater in and that you're greater than these things? Or are you this person that has surrendered that now and says, no, this thing's greater than me, and it's controlling me? Well, you know, I try to have a good attitude, but boy, when they do that, it just sets me off. I can't help it. I just can't help it. Can't. There we go. I surrendered it. This thing is stronger than me. And then Satan knows that, so he will intentionally put that type of person in your pathway to control you. It's all about control. It's all about control. Have you ever noticed that? It's like when you recognize that when a person like that, it's like, oh my goodness, it's like everywhere I look, there's these idiots. And they do that, it just ugh, drives me nuts. Hello? Everywhere I look, it's just idiots. And it's like the guy said, it's hard to soar with eagles when you live with turkeys. And everywhere you look is a turkey. Well, until you get dominion and victory over the turkey, you'll live with them. When you let that bother you, what you're doing is, is you are surrendering your ability to respond to this environment, this person, this situation. Now, that's causing you to react in a particular way. So no longer are you able to choose your response, you've surrendered that ability to this thing or this person or this history or whatever. Are, right? Are you following me? So then we're saying, okay, because of this, that's who I am. I am what I am because of where they made me. They made me do that. Well, bless your heart, you're a victim. You are a victim. And that's what the world wants to tell us is that we're a victim. They want to make us to be a victim. So as long as we're a victim, that means things are controlling us. 
and affecting our future. Hmm. So then that means that we have no choice in this thing. We just have to live according to the script that somebody else is writing for us because they're controlling my life because, you know, they did it and I can't help it. And, and they just did it. Excuse me. That doesn't sound like triumph. It sounds like being triumphed over. So if we're going to be triumphant, you've got to know who you are. So who are you? Are you a person that surrenders to your past and to all these things now that says that if this thing happens to you, then this is how you're going to become? So all Satan has to do is just keep following his script and keep pushing in that particular way and controlling and manipulating you, and you will just follow right along just like you, you know, you've just got a ring in your nose and he's pulling you along. That doesn't sound like freedom to me how many of you would agree that probably most people live like that or you know how that that's happened has it ever happened to you and we just and it seems like we're programmed for that because that's what we're conditioned to do even you know counseling tells us well it's not your fault you know it's because the way you were raised you know or your ethnicity you know my grandmother was Scottish she was red-headed or whatever, Scotch-Irish, and they're supposed to have a temper. So see, because of my ethnicity, then when something happens, I can just get mad because that's just the way that my heritage is. That's what happens with that type of person. So don't blame me. I can't help it. It's just the way I am. It's the way I'm conditioned to be. So you're going to allow that conditioning to be there so that anything that happens, you just can't control yourself, and you just blow up, and here you go. You're not triumphing over that thing. It's triumphing over you. I'm free. I am an heir. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. I am somebody. I know who I am. Therefore, I am who he's called me to be, who he's empowered me to be because of Jesus who redeemed me by his blood and now gave that to me, imputed that to me. Therefore, in all of my roles as a son, as a father, as a friend, as a pastor, you know, all my roles, then I will then be who God's designed me to be. And I will change those things that hold me down. Hmm. I jotted down a little note here. Lack of self-awareness, that's what we're talking about, that spiritual endowment of self-awareness, knowing who you are. And lack of self-awareness and confidence surrenders authority and freedom by blaming oneself or others, the environment, or anything or, or anybody so that I am not responsible for, my, for the results. But are you, if we will be responsible, response-able, means I'm able to choose my response, then I'll choose the response where I come out victorious. I'll choose a response where God gets the glory. So can you choose your response? Because, see, if you're free, you need to get me a little table. If I'm free, then that means that, okay, I can choose. This is how I want, this is what the outcome that I want for this. This is how I want to respond. Now, I can't change you. 
I could get mad at you and think, okay, if I get real mad, then Rachel, maybe she'll back off. Or, um, you know, if you want to control someone, here's how you do it. You bring fear. So I try to make you fearful. That if you don't do what I'm telling you, boy, something's going to happen. So then out of fear, you react. This is how Satan does it. Or anger. If I get really angry, you know, angry, then you'll submit to try to keep that anger from me getting so angry. Or guilt. You can't believe you did that. And make you feel so guilty, you know, that that's what, because of what you've done now. It's just hurt me so bad. And you ought to just be so guilty, right? So I can make you feel guilty. I can make you feel fearful. Well, if, if I just push it, and if you allow me to. But so in between what conditions or people or Satan, because we really battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers in high places. In between what I'm doing to control you and what you, then you either react or respond. That's your freedom. Because you have that, that window of freedom there to choose what happens next. Right? I've missed it so many times. I remember one time, I just had a new car, got a new car, pulled into, I think it was back when they had Kmarts, and uh, I parked that car, and, and somebody, um, when I came out, actually, the trim on the side was jammed, and, and I could tell that the person that parked next to me opened their big old door against my car and just wedged it in there, and when they shut it, it pulled that trim off of my car. Well, buddy, I chose my response. And I got back at them. They're going to dent my car, I'm going to dent their car. <laughs> and I waited for them, because I wanted them to know I dented their car. And what you going to do about it? And so here we go. And so, you know, have all this stuff going on. So now then, who was in control of that situation? Sure wasn't me. <laughs> no, really, because I reacted to a situation and that my anger that I allowed controlled me. The Bible says be angry and sin not. It's, anger is an emotion, but when it ought to be put in check so that we get angry at sin and we get angry at certain things and then we apply a righteousness in that thing to act upon it so that we put it to flight. It, it doesn't prosper in that area. That doesn't succeed. But see, that controlled me, and, it caught, and then I chose to react and to respond foolishly and stupid. Remember another time, I got, was when Sandy, I don't even know if we were mad, if, if we were mad, if we were married or not. Something happened. It was at, it, I, we weren't. I, and she was going to this church, so I went to this church, you know, because she was going to this church. And so something happened in that situation uh, there. And I got all aggravated. Boy, I jumped in my truck, do it in reverse, down and drive, burning them tires. I showed them, didn't I? <laughs> like my dad said, yeah, you showed something. <laughs> Showed how much of a fool, you know. That's how much of a fool you are. You know, well, that's stupid. You ever seen anybody do that? I know none of y'all ever done that. It showed what? And so that was my choice. I chose to do that. No, uh, they just made me mad. And I, you know, I just couldn't help it because they were, you know, acting like whatever. And somebody said whatever. I, you know, I could blame everybody. 
that that's what it was. No, I chose to get in there and tear my truck up. <laughs> right? So, you know, who are you? Are you who God's designed and given a th- dominion and authority to? Who are you? Are you a person that then takes that authority and at that moment of freedom, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed unless we choice not, choose not to use, we, we choose to use that freedom to react then, and then I submit myself then to the control of how Satan wants that outcome to come. Anger or jealousy or envy or strife or hatred, bitterness, stupidity. People that are substance abusers, they are substance abusers because of somebody or something, and they couldn't help it. So that's what they chose, right? It's true. So who are you? One day it'll all be exposed unless you judge it. You take the authority and the freedom that you have and you judge that and you say, it's no longer I that lives, it's Christ that lives in me and Christ doesn't act like that because he don't even have a truck. (laughs) Christ doesn't act like that. How does he act? So then what we have in that moment of freedom right before you then you have that moment to choose, and that's why we need to know who he is, because we need to choose how he would choose. I don't like, sometimes I don't like having to act like Jesus. <laughs> turn the other cheek? Are you serious? I only got one cheek to turn after that. It's, who knows? I mean, you know, I can't help myself after that. You know, I just <laughs> Bless those who curse you? Really? Pray for those who despitefully use you. It's easy to say until somebody is just right there, right there, all the time. Ah, get out of my face. Oh, pray for them. Can I lay hands on them? <laughs> hmm. So if I believe the lie that Satan's trying to bring in that situation... If I believe the lie and I react, I've surrendered my authority, I've surrendered my freedom, and I believe the lie, and Satan comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And here we go. And they're off. And that's how we get into a lot of trouble. That's how we ruin relationships. And you know, even when you do the right thing, you're still gonna get blamed for it. I mean, why? Because that person's, you know, they're blaming you because they can't be responsible for their actions. That's how we go through life. Everybody blaming everybody else. It's the blame game, right? So, you know, you know who you, if you know who you are, then you know your scripts are the programs that, that are in you, you know, that, that are there, that, that can make the old you come out. So you can use authority that comes from knowing the truth the truth of who you really are, that old nature, that old Paul, if I honestly and, 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 and truthfully know who that person is, then I can make a choice not to allow that part to come out. 
If you have a problem with substance and you know that's who you are, that's how you just, you're, you're, you're made up somehow in your old nature, then you plan and you choose ahead of time how that you're going to prepare not to allow that, give, that, give place to the devil there, give place to where it would cause you to fall. If you have a problem with lust, then you prepare not to fall into that. With David, it said it was time for kings to go to battle. And David, instead of looking at the battle thing and getting ready to go out on the battlefield, he looked over on the rooftop and saw Bathsheba taking a bath. Well, obviously, that brought out the old David because he didn't go to battle where he should have been. He sent for her and went to bed instead of going to battle. You are the creative force in your life. You either create a conflict by yielding or you create a new avenue here to walk in. You following that? Aren't we creators? So people, that means that we're responsible. We're responsible for, so just face the truth and say, okay, that's right, I'm responsible for those things. Whatever it is that brought me to here, I'm responsible because maybe the choices and I blame this one. But okay, from this point on, now I'm choosing that I'm going to repent from those things, which means this. I'm turning. I'm repenting. I'm asking for, I choose to ask for forgiveness. And I choose to walk away from those things. And I choose to ask God for wisdom to help me as I walk in the future not to yield to those things. Paul says in Romans 6, Count yourselves to be dead to sin and don't live in it any longer. Decide you're dead to that. So don't do that anymore. You can choose your response to any situation, to any person. You just have to take a deep breath. And they say count to ten. I just say just count to nine. And just say the, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you get, if love doesn't do it, you keep on, you know how, say, Pastor, how did you memorize the gifts of the Spirit? Or, or the fruit of the Spirit? From having to say it before I reacted. Hopefully it'll help you to choose a good response. So, you know, the more that you exercise this principle of self-awareness in your life, then you start being a responsible chooser and you choose better choices than allowing Satan to choose the, the type of response that he wants you to make or reaction that he wants. And I know that, you know, we, through wisdom and insight from the Holy Spirit, can make a better choice than what Satan has for you. You think he's going to choose a good choice for you? Seriously. No matter how you were raised, no matter what your childhood experiences were, no matter what your environment was, the old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now you are designed by him, and you've been given dominion and authority, and you can change things. You can create a new you. Praise God. Get a new attitude. Now, some of you need to work real hard on this. <laughs> Okay, so you are free, you are victorious, you are triumphant. Amen. Now, the second trait that caused Christ to triumph is that he knew where he was going. 
Think about that. Do you know where you're going? Where are you going? Where are you headed? This triumphal trait is the spiritual endowment of vision based upon purpose and destiny. When you know your purpose and you know your destiny, then God's put within us this ability, this God ability to have vision. Where there's no vision, the people perish or throw off restraint and just do whatever they want to do, you know. So vision, have a vision. So Jesus knew where he was going, and he knew that he was going to Calvary. So he saw the end, and that's how he purposed to live his life, because he said, then if anything takes me away or distracts me from going to where, what my destiny is, then I don't get involved in it. There are many times that, you know, he, one time he was preaching back in his own hometown, and, and they got so mad at him, they surrounded him, they were going to stone him and push him off a cliff and stone him. And so he says, oh, wait a minute, see, no, stoning's not on my agenda today because I'm not in, I haven't gone to Calvary. So, okay, well, I just think I'll leave. He just walked right through the crowd. And they're like, they're over there looking, and all mad, and Jesus walked, they don't even recognize he walks right through them. Why? Because his purpose, his destiny, wasn't for him to be stoned that day. He's got to go to Calvary and get killed. Paul, he, he knew he had to go to Rome because he had to go to Rome and get his head cut off. So he couldn't get stoned to death. He couldn't die in a prison. He couldn't get shipwrecked. Nothing could kill him. You can't kill me because I'm not at Rome yet. Now when I get to Rome, that's different. <laughs> I'm not at Rome. What, what's your Rome? What's your there? You know, there. Where are you going? I'm going there. You got to know where your there is. When you know what your destiny is, I'm not saying that you can get, it's going to be a Rome or it's going to be a Calvary, but it's going to be where God wants you to be. And so you've you got to know what your purpose is and what your destiny is. And when you know what your destiny is and your purpose, then you get a vision that acts upon that purpose and destiny and takes you to that, into your purpose, into your destiny. And if it doesn't, then you don't mess with it. That's why we're to have vision, we're to have goals, we're to have certain things in our life. For instance, like Christian Center, our whole thing, we are a, a, a church that wins the lost and develops the saved. So if something comes along that doesn't fit into that vision of winning the lost and developing the saved, then we don't have time for it. Because that's not what we're called to do. Now somebody else can do it, but we're called to win the lost, develop the saved. We're called to be a place that worships God, ministers to people, reaches out to, to win so souls, teaches, disciples, fellowships one together that we see a need and meet it. And if it doesn't follow along those things, then it's not on our agenda. We can't waste time with it because it will distract us from being who we're Who are you? When, on your role, then you need to get goals for that so that you can make sure that all those roles bring you to that same purpose that you know where you're going. If one of them get out of line, it'll hold you back from where you're going, then... Don't do it. Your role as a, a father, your role as a boss, your role as an employee, your role as, as an usher, your role as a member of Light Christian Center, you know, your role as a mom, your role as a whatever, all your different roles. When you take all those roles and then you know what your purpose is and your destiny and get, get a vision for those things of where they tie in into your vision and it takes you where you need to be. So you can say, yes, I can do that because that's in this vision. Nope, sorry, I can't participate in that. That's not what it's called to do. Hey, let's go out and let's go 
out with the guys and let's go, let's go do some drinking. Let me think about that. Okay, let me go. This role, this role, this role. Now, that doesn't fit into my agenda. I can't do that. Doesn't fit. That's not where I'm going. I can't go there because I'm going here. Right? Y'all have fun? Now, I got to do this. So you got you know, that's it. Because it just doesn't fit in. Purpose says I was placed here in time, in this time right here, to serve God's purpose for my generation. You got to know what your purpose is. God has a purpose, and he put you here right now at this time to do that. And when you're doing your purpose, Satan's purpose can't do you. <laughs> and your destiny, where God's calling you. Now, again, this all fits in because sometimes we make it so spiritual that we leave out all these other roles, you know? Because we think, well, we don't see how our job fits into that. We don't see how... You know, our, our family or our relationships fit into that because we're just thinking so spiritual up here, you know. No, it comes down and it applies into our life. So Jesus fully understood that Calvary was where he was going. His destiny was good at Calvary. When he died, he shed his blood that would redeem all lost mankind and restore all mankind back to the Father. Also, when he paid that price, it would bring about everything for salvation from healing to restoration to prosperity to everything. And so that was his purpose. And so it says that uh, enduring the cross, despising his shame, he laid down his life. He did that, that for the joy set before him. It says he endured the cross, despising its shame. The joy that was set before him was his destiny, his purpose, his joy was Calvary. That was his joy. Yes, it was his joy. Why? Because he knew that's where he was going. So if you're all bummed out, maybe you don't know where you're going. That bums us out sometimes. Well, I just don't know what's happening. If I just knew what was happening, I'd be, well, find out what's happening. Talk to the happener. <laughs> to the person that can make it happen. And then you make it happen. So vision and imagination has been put into us and God wants us to use it. He wants us to get a vision for where we're going based upon our purpose and our destiny. So the question is, do you know where you're going? When you do, then you'll be triumphant in all areas of your life. Number three, the, the third trait that triumphs is Jesus always kept the main thing the main thing. I preached a message, a couple messages along this line because any type of spiritual endowment that you have or trait, major trait, I mean, you, there's a lot that you can talk about. But this trait is a spiritual endowment of order. And God is a God of order. I mean, he looked at, the, he looked at chaos darkness and chaos and he spoke into that and he created out of that chaos he created the universe and and he put things into order and the sun and then it, the, the orbit of the planets around it and the moon around the earth and everything's just so precise that if you changed one little tiny thing and got it out of order just a little tiny bit it could change our seasons and it just affect affect us God's a God of order, and he has seasons, and that's why that he had feasts for them to celebrate at various times, because he's a God of order, and he sets things into place. Order gives positional advantage. You know what positional advantage is? Leverage. You know, and so if you've got things in order, then there's leverage upon your 
circumstances or situations or what the devil tries to bring into your life. And so then you can act upon things rather than things acting upon you. So that you focus on what's important, not so much on what's urgent. Things that are chaos, crisis, crisis, crisis is always urgent. But maybe a crisis isn't important. Lazarus died. Martha and Mary so upset. The whole town is upset. We're in a crisis here, Jesus. Okay, that's cool. But I got to do a couple things here first. Got some order. I got to keep the main thing, the main thing here. And then when that's done, I'll go over and we'll take care of Lazarus. He gets over there, he waited four days. And said, the Bible says that, I like it in the King James, he stinketh. Lazarus stinketh. It's a foul odor if you, if you don't know what stinketh mean. And so when he got there, you know, Mary runs out to him and says, Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He knew who he was. Wait a minute. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he's dead, yet shall he live. What's up? What are you upset about? It's no big deal. You're all upset with this crisis, and you're letting the crisis control you and, and all this urgency around here, but hey, Wait a minute, that's not important. What's important is, is I am the resurrection and the life. It doesn't matter that if it took me four days because I had to get other things done. I'm here now, it's okay. And so he went and he spoke and Lazarus rose. Cool. The main, keep the main thing, the main thing. Are you being controlled by crisis? Every time something just, and then here you are. And You know, crisis creates a can't, don't, won't, uh, uh, right? It's crisis to crisis. We're just living from one crisis to the other crisis. And the more that you allow a crisis to come into your life, it is from one crisis to the next crisis. I remember it was like, I was working on something around the house, and it's like, oh my God, that would break. And, then, and I said, I was just getting so frustrated and just all upset. And, and I was like, oh man. You know, it's like well, every time I go to do something, it's like it's, it has to break. And God's just sitting back laughing and smiling. So I want to teach you something here. You're letting, those, that, you're letting these crises control you. Yeah, things break, of course. But that's just, that's not so important. Focus on what's important, and the crisis will take care of itself. It's like uh, the story, the true story about the ranger, the Texas ranger. They call, they were having a riot in some town. Everything was crazy. It was crazy. We've got a crisis here. We've got a riot. So they call the Texas Rangers, you know, send some Rangers here, take care of our crisis. And so the train shows up and they go up there and out steps a little short Texas Ranger and they're looking, where's all the other Rangers? He said, well, how many riots do you have? They said, one. He said, one riot, one Ranger. <laughs> yeah, we take care of what's important, not what all the crisis is. Don't let the crisis throw you. I'm the man, <laughs> you know, I'll take care of it. Just, you know, so we've got to focus on things. And when you make sure that you keep the main thing the main thing, then you don't let the crisis take care of you. You take care of what's around. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He'll come and he'll bring all these things and get you so distracted that we're taking care of all this stuff and we're not taking care of the main thing. Martha, on another occasion, she was just taking care of all the crisis. Oh, I got to get the bread out of the oven, and I got to, oh my goodness, and I got to stir this. And, and she just running around, and it was just, everything was crisis, and Mary was just, Worshiping Jesus and 
Martha comes in. She's all upset. Why is she upset? Because the crisis was getting to her. And she says, Lord, don't you just care that, you know, I'm having to take care of all this and my sister's not doing anything? And he says, Mary is doing what's important. You're letting all this other stuff control you because you don't have the main thing in mind. So then you figure out how can I do that and keep what's important first. Amen. What's controlling you? Are you living from crisis to crisis? You know, what's the sad thing is there's certain jobs and vocations that, you know, it's like paramedics and stuff. I mean, that, that's really, they go from crisis to crisis. Imagine working in, a, in an emergency room or various things like that where it's always a crisis. But that person has to develop the point of where that they understand what's important and they focus on what's important and don't allow that crisis to control them or they won't be any good. They should be running around and going crazy. Number four, the fourth trait that triumphs, that, that I find in Jesus, is that he always had a winning attitude. And um, this is the spiritual endowment of abundance mentality. Now, what does an abundance mentality have with a winning attitude? Well, I can tell you. When you, you know, our life is governed by principles, and principles or foundations for belief. It's why we believe what we believe. It's based upon a principle. Now, those principles can be right or wrong. That's why we gotta make sure we get right principles, the right foundation. And so if we believe that the world consists of, it's like a pie, and there's only so many slices in this pie. It's like a pizza. And there's only eight slices in this pizza. And so what we're gonna say, oh my goodness, you know, I'm hungry, and I want more than one slice, and so I'm all upset, and I'm, you know, I've got this attitude, and I'm going around, I'm going to be mad because Christian got two pieces of, of the, the, the pizza, and Jeff got two pieces of the pizza, and we've got a whole lot of people, and I want, want, I, want, I want two pieces of the pizza. I want two pieces of the pizza. What's wrong with you? Now I'm all upset. Why? Because there's, I've got a scarcity mentality. I'm not, I'm not going to get what I want. I'm not going to get my share because there's not going to be enough because I've got a scarcity mentality because now it's brought fear, it's brought anger, it's brought jealousy, it's all this stuff. And if I don't get what I can get, then somebody else is going to get it and I won't have nothing. And we live lives like that and we've got to get what we can get. We've got to get it first. I got to sleep outside the door so when the door's open, I can have that before anybody else gets it because there's only a few. How do they entice you to buy something? Oh, there's only just a few of them. There's not very many. So we get this scarcity mentality. Oh, I got to get while the getting's good. I got to get it. But if you have a, an abundance mentality, not worried about it. It's like the, the disciples, they come to Jesus and they said, you better send all these people home because it's, night's coming and they're going to starve to death and they won't have anything to eat. And, and we don't, I mean, we only got, we don't even have enough to eat ourselves. And so we don't want all these people eating our stuff. He just sent them away, Jesus. And Jesus says, what's that? He says, what do you have? Well, we only have, well, we looked everywhere and we stole this little kid's lunch. I mean, how do they get the lunch? How do they know? And, and there's only one boy and he has five loaves and two fish. That's it. That's all we got. That's all we got. It's going to be a real big problem. And Jesus said, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And Jesus had a winning attitude. They had this attitude. It was like, we're not going to win out of this situation. Five loaves and two fish. Let's see if we can sneak away someplace and we'll break it all up and have a little bit. And he says, bring it to me. And he took it. He held it up. He blessed it. 
because he had an abundance mentality, and he took it down. He says, there's going to be plenty for everybody. Just don't get your panties in a wad. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I'm sure that's what he said, you know. Don't get all upset. Don't get all nervous. There's plenty. There's plenty. And they passed it all out, and everybody had more than enough, and they took up 12 basketfuls left over. Can you scratch that from the podcast? <laughs> Those people in Russia that's going to hear this, they're going to like, how do you translate that? And there was an abundance, and he had a, they said, oh, man, look, we're all winners. Everybody wins. It's a win-win situation because there's enough for everybody. So if I have a winning attitude, I come into the deal, and when somebody's mad because, why are they usually mad? Because I've got something that they, that they want, or I'm going to take something from them, and whatever, and they're mad. Wait a minute, it's cool. It's okay. It's all right. You can have what you want. Really? Really? Sure. Here's a win-win situation. And so then you go there, and you, with, uh, out of creativity, you know that, hey, this, I have to worry about this. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. There's an abundance here, and I don't have to get all upset and worry about it. There's not a shortage. God's not short on things, and so we don't have to worry about those things. Well, I got three more attitudes, three more traits to share, but it's time to quit. So we're going to have to quit there and want to pray. And maybe we can get back to them. But they're good. They're good. And we need to be triumphant. You see how that we can fall back into how Satan would program us, our natural stinking thinking, our human understanding, falling into the principles that this world tries to suggest can get us really into a losing situation. And we become losers because we have that attitude that we just, in all these things, you know, and it just brings us down and we can't get along with anybody, can't get along with ourselves. Do you know anybody like that? So that's not how we're to be. We are to be triumphant in all these things and have confident assurance that we're going to triumph over this. That's how God wants us to live our lives. He doesn't want us to live, you know, in this particular, in turning everybody off. Amen? It shouldn't be a certain way when you come to church and then when you walk out the doors, okay, i got to... Oh, somebody pulled in front of me. I was going to pull out in the, in the street, and they pulled in front of me. Oh, my goodness. I want to miss 25 seconds. They'll probably make a touchdown before I get there to see the game. <laughs> 15 seconds is going to make a big difference, you know? But what is it? I mean, it's like we walk out the church doors, and, man, I mean, all of a sudden we've got a different attitude. No, people, it's got to be the same way in all of our life. Let's have this triumphant, have these traits in our life that cause us to be triumphant in all areas of our life. Let's pray together.